What's going on, guys? It's Mike Cerrone from the DC Crossover Podcast. Ben and I have been producing audio content since our teenage years. But now, don't we wish we had the tools you guys have to create and distribute your own content? Let me quickly tell you about our new sponsor, Anchor. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's definitely something I love using. One reason, because it's free, people, F-R-E-E. As most of you may know, free is one of my favorite words, so don't get that mixed up. So no charge to start up with Anchor. Now let's talk about how easy it is to use. With Anchor, there are creation tools that allow you guys to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super simple and super accessible from anywhere. Now that you recorded, how do you distribute to the streaming apps? Anchor does it for you, folks. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or more, they got you. Using Anchor, you can actually make money from your podcast. Straight hard cash, homie. Whether you have a handful of friends, family, or group that wants to hear your content, there is no minimum listenership. It's everything you would ever need to make a podcast in one simple place. Want to get started? Here's what you guys need to do. Download the free Anchor app on your phone or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started today. Now back to our nation's capital with Sarone and Simpson. As the Nationals are struck away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! It's not a dream! It's not a desert mirage! It's Lord Stanley! And he is coming to Washington! Oh, oh, great crossover. Got it. <laughs> That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh, handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DC Crossover, episode number 70. Whether you're enjoying us live on The Contender here at noon Eastern Time on TheContender.com, that's Contender with a K, or if you're checking us out on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you listen to the show, we appreciate it. Follow the show on Twitter at the DC Crossover for myself and follow Mike at Cerrone16. That is Mike Cerrone. I have Ben Simpson. Uh, packed show packed. today. I mean, we have so much to talk about. On this episode, um, it's, I mean, there's so many things going on DC sports wise right now. It's funny. The past couple of weeks, we've done, you know, food drafts and food taste tests and all this stuff because we've had to fill some time because it's been only baseball. But, Mike, we've got uh, Washington Nationals talk. We do have some baseball talk to get into today. We'll recap some of the All Star game and home run derby stuff. We'll talk a little bit about the most recent uh, losses to San Diego. Um, and then today's game, as we're recording this on Sunday, the Nats are currently leading right now. We'll see. Uh, we'll touch briefly on the MLB draft. I'm just going to shout out some of the draft picks and kind of how the Nats did as a whole. We're going to get into the Washington Wizards, who named a new head coach. We're going to get into the Caps and their protection. I mean, it's crazy. And we didn't even, we wanted to even start getting into some Washington football team talk, and we don't even have time to do that today. So it is bananas. And, and, and usually we spend the first 15 minutes learning about what Mike uh, did this previous week. But Mike, we don't have the time to get into your previous week, even though I know you've had a busy time. Uh, busy time? I don't know if it's so busy. Uh, to, to be honest with you, I just didn't really have, uh, I didn't really have any motivation to do anything. Uh, to be sure, honest with you, sure. I mean, I've wanted to go to the gym now for so long because the problem is going to the gym is basically starting to go back is the hardest part, as you know. So that's right, the biggest right, thing for right. me. Getting back into the routine. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So I've been in a routine for, you know, I mean, for 
po- uh, pre-COVID, I was, you know, I was flying. I was, I was motoring through. I mean, I lost like at least at that at that point, I might have lost like forty pounds at that point, and I was just going after it. And then COVID happened, and I was trying to trying to figure out ways that I could. I mean, I went down to like the local like middle school, and I was like running around like the track and different stuff like that, which I hate doing. Uh, but right. you know, obviously uh, through school, and then when we returned to school, uh, well, returned to teaching, I should say. Uh, in person and all that kind of stuff then we had different schedules and this it's everything's been crazy so the last like you know month i've been like all right i got weddings to go to soon i got this i got that i need to get back after it and i've just been so lazy i mean <laughs> literally i texted you a picture or, or not a picture i texted you that i got manhattan pizza the other day uh yep, and yep. it was just like great choice it was just not you know like i'm just not proud of myself over the last two ah, weeks. it's summertime man it's tough it's tough it, it makes you want to eat and drink and all the good stuff but tomorrow you know tomorrow what? starts man tomorrow is a brand new day and a chance for you <laughs> to start the routine um and we do want to remind you folks that actually actually not remind you we're going to tell you that uh we will be depending on when you're listening to this we will be live on the contender um uh, 7 to 9 p.m. this Tuesday. Uh, so we're recording this on Sunday the 18th. We'll be on Tuesday the 20th from 7 to 9 p.m. We'll be live. So we'll be, have the ability to take phone calls, um, and we'll have a two-hour show instead of our one-hour podcast. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, uh, it, it takes us back to the old WGMU days when we did a two-hour show on the airwaves there um, at George Mason University. And then we even did uh, the Caps postgame uh, in the playoffs when they got a we did an hour-long post-game show on the Contender not too long ago, uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, you know, check us out on Twitter. We'll throw out the number. Follow the Contender again. That's the Contender with a K, uh, and we'll be streaming live. So that's we're going to get into a lot of stuff today. But uh, things that we would like to talk more about, we'll get into that more on Tuesday. We may even have an interview here and there. It's going to be fun. Uh, we may even bring in. I mean, it is our show, so we may even do something food-related. We'll see. Uh, but so much to talk about on this episode. But I wanted to start off, obviously acknowledging uh, you know the crazy events of the other day uh, here locally in the district. Of course, you, you would know about this, and even really uh, nationwide, you probably heard about this story: the shooting outside of Nationals Park. And we just want to briefly touch on this because it is a, a gigantic piece of news here in the district. Uh, if you, for some reason, don't know what happened, uh, basically in the uh, sixth inning. Uh, the other day on Saturday, there were some loud bangs during the after the bottom of the sixth inning. Uh, this turned out to be a, a shootout in the street outside of the stadium between two cars, um, and uh, three people were injured. One of them actually being a female fan of the team. And uh, the fan is expected to recover. There were no deaths, thank God. Um, just some injuries. There, I believe, one of the vehicles has been recovered to this point. And I, I wanted to say, I mean, it, it's just absolutely insane because I was watching this game live on TV and it was a situation where I believe they were ready to go to break because yeah. it was the third yeah. out. They're ready to go to break and you see the, the, the team walking off the field, you know, the commercial music starts playing, things like that. And next thing you know, Dan Colco is telling us, uh, you know, the fans, he's like, I don't know what's going on. The fans are oh, he said streaming it on the out of the stadium right now. Yeah, he's, yeah he said like... I don't know what's going on. The fans are streaming out of the stadium right now. Um, there's a situation happening. We have no idea what's going on. Uh, I can't remember if they went to commercial, then quickly came back and said that, or if it all happened at the same time. It's kind of a blur because it was such a crazy night. Uh, but it was a situation where Dan Coco and, and FP come back on, and he's like, yeah, there's something going on. We have no idea what's happening. There's something going on. Fans are going all over the place. We see them streaming out of the stadium. And I think Dan even said on the broadcast, me and FP are sitting on the floor of the broadcast booth right now um, because they probably were like, hey, we don't know what's going on. Somebody said something about a shooter. Like, we're obviously not going to uh, be <laughs> in, in the view of any shooter. So it was, it was a crazy scene to watch on TV. And then when you go to Twitter, it's even a crazier right. scene. I mean, the tweets were going all over the place. All I kept refreshing, refreshing, refreshing nonstop um, on the game feed for on Twitter. And I was there with my wife and we were, were like, what the heck's going on? Um, and then, you know, it turned out that the shooter, luckily, I mean, this whole, whole situation was terrible. But luckily, the shooter was not inside Nats Park. The shooting happened outside Nats Park. Because um, I can't even imagine if it was happening inside the park. That would be just insane. Yeah. But... 
The cool thing, if there is any cool things and silver linings to all this, Mike, was the stories that came out about you know the Padres players ushering fans into the dugouts and to safety and uh, you know Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado and uh, you know the on the Nat side of things there were fans that went onto the field and then went through the dugout back into the clubhouse and there was a quote uh, that a security when some of the fans were by Davy's office and Davy was there as well and the quote was that a security guard came and asked some of these fans are you family? Because it was kind of a mix of family of the players right. and actual fans. And, and the security guard asked that and Davey replied, yes, they're, they, they are family. They're, they're our fans, um, which is, is a incredible move by him. Now the, the security guard was like, well, are you family of the players? And they said, no. So, so he ushered them out um, to safety a different way, but to hear your manager, um, because uh, you know, act like that and, and really, you know, that, that, protective nature of the fans of the team it was just really incredible right it, to hear that story and hear the stories of the Padres players doing kind of the same thing and I think if there's a shining light through this it, it is that um, these are po- people I mean a lot of time athletes are people we look up to and kids look up to and um, you know sometimes they let you down uh, and do bad things and other times they live that part and understand their role as uh, being in the spotlight that hey, you need to be that idol for these kids. And some of these players uh, really proved that uh, the other day, is that, hey, these are, these, there's a good reason why these players are idolized, and, and not only for their abilities on the field, but off the field as well. And they really showed their true character. So the stories that came out, Mike, were just right. uh, really unbelievable after these events. It was crazy. Yeah, and that's the, that's the thing is that you mentioned that on the broadcast, they actually didn't go to break, or they might have gone to break. You, for, you kind of like uh, forgot there. But at the same time, it was probably a, a, a nut house because – when you think about it, they're not going to say, oh, we're going to go to commercial. Then we're going to come back from, from commercial. Then we're going to update you. What's happening? It's like I think they just wanted to see, like, you know, what's happening. Let's keep it on the air so everyone knows because they probably would have, you know, thought that people were watching at home. And they and if someone like you was on Twitter and you're like, what the hell is going on right now? Yeah. All of a sudden you're yeah. like Get, getting out of commercial. You know, it's like that's the biggest thing is I didn't hear that part. I didn't see that part either because of the sole fact that, the only thing I saw on Twitter was when Dan Colco was going to break, and then you heard that right. You could hear you could hear the gunshot sounds on the broadcast, yeah. which was crazy. I mean, it was again. I mean, it was one of those things where thank God the damage was limited. Nobody died. Um, I mean, a fan was struck, obviously, but it sounds like she's going to recover from everything I've read. That um, it was very minor wounds. Thank God, but. Um, you know, but the the scariest part was more of the unknown right, of what right. is happening right now, and that's why there were stampedes uh, to the exits and people moving all over the place because in those situation, your first it's a it's a fight or flight, and most most people's choice is going to be, of course, flight and get to safety, especially if you've got kids or you got right. a wife or husband or things like that. You're going to just get out of there as quick as possible. Well, that video um, on I Twitter, the video on Twitter, yeah. uh, on the top of the the parking garage, the Geico parking garage. Yeah. That was like the one that's right. been surfacing all through the news. And stuff all like the that. fans just streaming out of the stadium, sprinting out. There's multiple videos out on Twitter. I retweeted some of them from our account of, um, you know, people hiding behind, uh, you know, uh, walls and hiding behind bars and like, you know, just doing whatever they could to get safety because they I mean, I can't even imagine being there because uh, it was, was a scene where you just don't know what's going on. Right. We're getting updates on Twitter and things like that, but you're there in person. Right. You don't know what's going on. And they're trying to, and I, from my understanding, the, you know, the, the emergency personnel there and the staff there, they did the best that they could in that situation. Uh, you know, there was some confusion at the beginning because they were letting fans leave the stadium and then they were telling them, hey, no, stay in the stadium because the situation's outside. Um, so there was some confusion there, but I can't even really fault anybody that much because it was just such a wild scene uh, and situation. And um, but and luckily, again, the damage was very limited to just a few folks. And two of the people were people that were involved in the shootout. There were people in the cars right. um, where things were going on. So it was just one person that was kind of an, a bystander that was struck. But um, I mean, that's- it was just 
it's, it was crazy. Yeah, and, and crazy. that's that's the thing too when you look at it uh, from a from a distance is that I, first of all, I had a lot of people texting me last night. I had like three or four people texting me saying like, "Hey, were you at the game? Were you at the game? Were you at the game?" Right. Because right. they know that you know we go to games and we like you know the Nats a lot, different stuff. Sure. Of that nature. So everyone assumes that hey, these these guys might be at the game. It kind of right. reminds me of the whole entire Virginia Tech stuff. Uh, you know, you know, sure. I don't want to get into that, but that, that whole entire thing where you know people didn't know what was happening, didn't people didn't know right. what was going on. So you know, you know, people at Virginia Tech at that time, and all of a sudden, you know, you're texting them saying, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" So exactly. people were doing the exactly. same thing, and it's the thought of like you said, the unknown. You don't know what's happening. So now we see people on Facebook, a couple of people that we personally know that were at the game, giving us their accounts and different things of that nature. And it's kind of kind of terrible to see because a lot of people, you know, especially some people, like I personally like to get my food, same, same with my mom and different things like that. I like to get my food and all that kind of stuff before the game starts and then all of a sudden just stay there for the rest of the game. 100%. The game's not that long. Way. You know, you can stay there for two and a half, three hours or whatever it may yeah, be. I'm not a go back and forth from my seat kind of guy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, some of these people like to get up in like the sixth inning. They go, like, they'll get something else and then they come back. So, a couple of people I saw on Twitter, you know, they said, like, my kids were in the seats and I went to go get food. And then all of a right. sudden, th- these things start happening and I couldn't get to them. And that's, oh, I can't even. That's imagine. the thing. I saw a video t- uh, of, uh, I guess it might have been the Diamond Club or something, where you, you had like bartenders like hopping over the bar and they're throwing down bar bar tables and stuff like that. I mean, that's the thing, you know. And, I, and I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to keep bringing up bad situations, but you think about like the DC sniper situation. Okay, this is like an incubator of just people out in the open. So you don't know right. where those shots are coming from. Like you said, they were outside. Obviously, uh, you know when we came to, came to find out that later. But you know you don't want to you don't want to you know just sit there and be like a, you know a sitting duck. You don't want to be a sitting duck yeah. in that situation because you don't know what's going on. If it's, uh, I mean, I, yeah, when when you're in that situation, I assume I mean it's just panic. Yeah. It's just panic. It's it's get to safety as quick as possible. Uh, hide behind this or go to that or just get out of there. I mean, there's so many different choices you make in that situation and. Um, that's why I don't. Bl- I mean, uh, I saw a couple tweets that I just I, I wasn't happy with seeing um, from folks that either were kind of criticizing uh, the, the the actions by some people during the events, or I saw I saw some lady tweet she was getting roasted. Some lady tweeted like, "Thanks at Nationals for ruining like my son's birthday party or something." He's like, "What you think this was the Nationals' fault that right. this happened? Like, are you insane?" <laughs> um, it was like it was unbelievable. But most people, I will say, like. Most people, and that's just Twitter, because there's always just idiots on Twitter. But for the most part, it was collective, um, you know, I hope everybody's okay. Uh, Let's get this information out to everybody as quick as possible, that sort of thing. So I think a lot of times you see people band together. And you saw, I mean, Bryce Harper, I know, tweeted or or posted on his Instagram or tweeted, like, my thoughts and prayers out to D.C. and all that stuff. So and and Fernando Tatis after the game did the same thing. Hey, I hope everybody's okay. Um, So it was... It was one of those things where that type of thing brings people together, and 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 that's when you remember that hey, yeah, you know this fan base hates that fan base and this yeah. and that, but at the end of the day, we're all just baseball fans watching a game we love, and nobody should be put in harm's way in that situation. Yeah. And, um, so, well, that's also luckily, the thing too is and I, I, yeah. not to interrupt you again, but I, no, it's okay. But I, I just have a lot of thoughts on this. So when you when you're yeah, also, it's, it was yeah, wild. It was it, a wild scene. You're also thinking about this, and they're also saying like. Is this going to stop fans from coming to Nats Park? Well, it, it, right. you, you think about it. Okay, DC, especially Southeast DC, where the park is located, was not a great spot. You know, right? You know, no, before 100%. the stadium was built. Now it's building all this infrastructure there, which is making mm-hmm. the spot a little bit more safe and different things of that nature. But you're looking at it now and saying, is this really going to stop fans from coming to Nats Park? Again, just like you mentioned, it's not a Nationals problem. It's not a Nats right. problem. The Nats didn't say, okay, guys, sixth inning, we're going to strike out yeah. the last guy. Yeah, exactly. Not, exactly. It, they, it wasn't planned. So it's like no. it's the same thing as, you know, uh, of, 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 if it was saying at uh, Safe, Safeco Field or, or, or PNC Park or anything. If it happens in one of those cities, they're not going to say, oh, we're not going to go to Pirates games. We're not going to go to, you know, Mariners games or, 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 or whatever other team you want to mention. It's, it, it's just like it's not a Nats problem. Like if you personally do not feel – like you are safe going to Nats Park, then then you don't have to go. That's why they have television exactly. broadcasts, exactly. radio broadcasts, all that kind of stuff. So you don't have to and go. And I totally understand if some people are going to be hesitant going because of this incident for a little bit yeah. and give them time to – I mean, I totally get that. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you're right. I think 
inside the ballpark, especially, you feel super safe because the amount of security things you, I mean, you go through metal detectors, go through this and that. Like, I've never gone to an ass game and been worried for my safety. Um, it's just never been that situation. It's a very safe park. Um, but yeah, I mean, things happen and it, and it was an unfortunate situation. And thank God it wasn't worse than what it was. I mean, heck, last weekend we heard about the maid uncovering all those guns and ammunitions in Colorado by the All Star game, um, where. Luckily, she found those and was able to get it to the authorities and all that sort of stuff to prevent a possible situation there. I mean, it's a crazy world we live yeah. in right now. It's, it's a wild place. Yeah. But all we can say is, um, you know, we saw some tremendous leadership from a lot of players and fans and coaches the other day, and they should all be commended for that. And uh, obviously, if you were involved in the situation and, um, you know, you... Uh, need some time to recover mentally for that. I totally get that as well. It was a very traumatic event, and uh, I hope you know if you need help, you know definitely reach out to whatever resources you you need to reach out to because I can I get it. It must have been a super. I wasn't there, so I'll never be able to fully experience the same thing that those fans experienced. But wild scene. We had to talk about it for sure. It's such a right. big an ev- event here. Um, but uh, so we want to touch touch on that on the outset. Now let's get into kind of the, the regular show, if you will, as far as uh, focusing on the various teams. And we'll stick in the baseball realm because we're going to talk a little. The Washington Nationals. Little Washington Nationals. As we speak, the Nats are tied with the Padres in the top of the ninth, 7-7, on the Sunday afternoon game. Insane game. Scherzer on the hill. Uh, it was nice to see Mad Max back since the All-Star game, but fortunately he gave up, what, five runs, I think, today, uh, including a couple bombs. But let's take things back to the Home Run Derby and All-Star weekend and things like that earlier in the week. And, Mike, there were a lot of people that criticized Juan Soto being put into the home run derby because his home run numbers weren't very high. Um, and he was given the eighth seed to go against Shohei Otani. So everyone kind of figured this guy has no chance because the weekend was, or the all-star uh, events were really about Shohei Otani just because uh, you finally get to see this guy. If you don't watch West Coast baseball, you finally get to see this guy pitch and hit and things like that. He was the number one seed in the derby. And our guy Juan Soto ended up uh, putting on a terrific show with Shohei Otani. I mean, this was a situation where they went into um, like double overtime, basically, I believe. Uh, and, and so that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was first round double overtime showdown. And that was really fun to see for Juan Soto. I mean, it was something where I think people didn't really give him a lot of credit going into the Derby. They kind of figured uh, Shohei would just destroy him. And Soto held his own and put on a show there in the first round. And, and that was really cool to see for us. Yeah, honestly, we were both talking about it uh, with friends and different things of that nature uh, about is this going to fix Juan Soto's first half? Is it not? Who knows? And he just went out there and, like you said, he put on a show. Shohei Otani, you know, when it comes down to a, a double swing off, I mean, that's just fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's so fun. And, and, yeah. and you saw Juan go out there, and he was just looking for the right pitch he wanted to hit in that second one, and he went out there and hit three bombs in the second swing off. Right, because it came down yep. to the three. It was You get three swings, yep. and that was it. It was the best of those three swings, and Juan Soto hit all three out. Yep. And you're right, he took his time. Yep. Because Shohei immediately first, like hit like the first ball that he saw or something like that, and he grounded it out, so it was like it was over. But sh- but you could tell Juan Soto was like, I'm going to win this yeah. round no matter what. Right. I'm going to take 20 pitches if I have to. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kevin Long's throwing two seamers away and sliders <laughs> and things like that to him. I mean, one of the worst pitching performances I've ever right. seen from Kevin Long in the home run derby. I mean, the guy was throwing... Uh, splitters down and away. That was like Bryce's I mean, dad back in the, the corners. <laughs> Bryce's right, dad right. was terrible. Oh, it was bad, and that's that's a big part of it. I oh, mean, yeah. people forget that, like, yeah, these guys are the ones swinging and hitting the ball 450 feet, but you saw who, I forget the guy who's pitched for Pete Alonso, but you saw that guy was throwing meatball oh, yeah. after meatball after meatball. And Pete Alonso was just teeing <laughs> off every time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a big, goofy goober is Pete Alonso. I mean, that guy, I was talking with somebody, and we're like, is Pete Alonso the lamest guy in baseball? And the answer is yes, but you know, the guy can mash. Look, I'm not, I yeah. mean, the guy won the home run derby, the second home run derby in a row. The guy just crushes bombs. He's the goofiest, like, I'm going to say lamest guy in the MLB, but hey, he can crush. 
It's unbelievable. Well, that's why I picked him because I, I he like you said he's just a huge dude that just like wants to hit bombs and that's the that's, that's all he wants to do. He just wants to mash. And, and, and imagine him being like remember that Jason Worth video when he was playing uh like you know this, some amateur baseball or something like that just yeah, cracked a home I do run. Remember that. Like that's like Pete Alonso in 15 years when he's like all right guys I'm retired I'm gonna go out here and play like slow pitch softball and half the people on the field aren't gonna know who I am because they're from some like IT company doing like a like a company right, a company right, like right. you know like a team building thing and i come out there and i hit a 480 yard or a 480 foot softball pitch that's just like the home right. run derby like my pitcher used to do when i was in the home run derby like the guy <laughs> literally that guy was i mean it was so funny because i'm sitting there i was like pete alonzo was so smooth it's so it's easy to be smooth when you have a guy that's throwing 46 miles an hour like like you're in little league i mean, I mean literally meatballs. it was imb- it was meat yeah you <laughs> said kevin long was uh. sitting there throwing like split finger fastball oh it was so things. bad like, All right, buddy it was so bad um, but it was cool to see Trey Mancini put on a show, too. I mean, we were really hoping for Soto Mancini in the finals because it would have been such a cool local angle with the O's and the Nats. And Mancini did really, really well. I mean, and I think I was, I was talking to my friend the other day who's an Orioles fan, and, and I was saying that the key for Mancini was he is so quick at the plate. Like, he was able to get so many more pitches than some of the other guys because his swing is so quick and he immediately loaded back up for another one. Where some of these other guys, like Soto and things like that, they swing so hard and their swing is so violent that they need an extra couple seconds to get reset and ready for another ball. Mancini was just so smooth uh, swing after swing after swing, and that helped him in the long run because he was able to mash some home runs. But uh, he lost to Pete Alonso 23-22 in the finals. Well, uh, I love that format, I mean, though, because I hate I hate, yeah. I hate the format where, like, okay, you got to wait till the ball lands and the ump's sitting there, like, right. pointing at you, like, okay, you and there was to go. confusion because people forgot that they changed that. Um, I don't know even know when they told everybody that they changed it, but they changed that where, like you said, where you don't have to wait till the ball lands because I agree that was kind of a lame part because it was always like, and guys would always break that rule too. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Oh, sorry. Like when Bryce's <laughs> year. Well, no, like remember in Bryce's year, people were like criticizing him, Bryce and his dad, because they were saying that his dad was throwing the ball before the umpire said he could, you yeah. know? Right. And that's, a, and that's the uh, thing is in that situation, like I said, you're sitting there and the umps are sitting there like, like telling him to hold on and stuff like that. Like, you know, giving him the palm and saying, Hey, just hold on a second. The ball's still in the air. And it's like, that was just not fun. Like everyone wants to see you go out there and hit bombs. They don't want to see you hit seven home runs in three minutes. Like you want to see yeah. someone hit 37 home runs in three minutes. That's the whole point of the home run derby. You know, you don't want to sit there and, oh, well, this is the rules. Like that. No, like you said, Trey Man City sitting there just cracking home runs left and right and saying, okay, that, that one's gone. Just pitch me another. Keep going. And then you have Juan Soto doing his little shuffle thing a, a little bit here and the, here and there. Just, a little shuffle. Yeah. We got a little shuffle for sure. So that's the thing. Is yeah. I just like that format a lot better because you can see a lot more bombs being thrown being, being I'm with you. There. And the criticisms are around, like, the fact that we didn't really get to know the distances for the home run balls in the moment. Um, so it was something where, like, guys are teeing off and we see that the ball's going far, but we're not getting any measurements. Like, we're not getting on-the-spot measurements, which you've got to think with the technology we have nowadays, they have to be able to track those balls immediately. Even if it's in a derby and balls are flying all over, I feel like that has to happen. So ESPN, uh, who is broadcasting the derby, they got to get somebody on that, some yep. IT company to get them the technology that they can track ball after ball and that way we can get those distances because like that was everybody's complaint and it was also the camera work was pretty bad because there were so many swings happening the cameras uh, keep panning back and forth between like there goes the ball there goes the player there goes the ball there goes the player sometimes they were late here and there uh, they got to just maybe they split screen or something i mean they got to figure something out right because it, they did have the broadcast itself wasn't great for the derby i will say um, but the players put on a show. It was a great derby. Yeah, it really was. I think it was one of the best. I, I would actually, in a, in a I would actually like a little bit of a behind the plate action too. That would be cool to see. Sure, like, you know, I'm with to you. Have, to obviously have the lights just shining down, you can see the ball just flying, and all of a sudden, get the track man that golf has. Yeah. Where they have the shot behind the golfer and you watch the line of the ball, right. um, get that same technology. I mean, you got to be able to get that. Got to do something. For baseball. I mean, it's not that hard to get. I mean, no, no. I mean, we get a billion camera angles during the game when guys hit hit, hit bombs. So yeah, there's just a couple little tweaks here and there, but overall it was pretty good. And it made me um, think as far as 
And by the way, in the in the game itself, we did have some Nats play. I mean, Turner went over two, didn't do much. Soto walked a couple times. Scherzer started the game, which was awesome. Uh, didn't allow a hit uh, and and did get a strikeout, which was cool. But it got me thinking. I was curious. So I've got five All Star right. events. And I didn't include an NFL one because nobody really cares about the Pro Bowl stuff. Um, but uh, people barely par- care about the NHL skills competition for the NHL All-Star game. But um, I've got five here, and I'm interested to hear your ranking. So we've got, and I'll give you mine. So we got the Home Run Derby, the Slam Dunk Contest, the Three Point Contest, the NHL Skills Competition, and the NBA Skills Competition. I want to hear your rankings um, for you know what your favorite ones are. So I would go number one with this format. I would go the Derby mainly because sure. the Derby now you know you're seeing every single year. I mean, even when Pete Alonso uh, was first in it and stuff like that, you know he hit like what 52 bombs in his in his rookie season and stuff like that. So you're seeing guys that go out there and consistently hitting bombs out there, you know, playing in the Derby as opposed to the dunk contest, which the dunk contest is going to be my last one because the dunk contest is just boring because you guys, you have like not even sixth men, you have like 12th men coming out there and they're, 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 they're from like some, some rain, like the Milwaukee bucks, like, like, like water boys out there, you know, right, doing right, it. And right. you're just, that's fair. That's you're fair. sitting there. It's like, okay, let's be honest here. This is not even fun. Cause they're doing the same dunks every single year. It's like, there's no creativity. I think the last creativity person was, uh, was Dwight Howard when he brought out like a second hoop that was like twelve feet high and all that kind of stuff? I don't know. Like, yeah. I think Levine and Gordon put on a show when they did it, but that was probably the last really good right. one, and that was like three or four years ago. And, so, yeah. and then surprisingly, my second one would be the NHL Skills Competition. I actually really okay. like that one because of the sole fact that if you saw like I don't know a handful of years ago, Nicholas Backstrom from the Capitals was in it, and he was like literally scoring on these these little goals that was that were maybe you know foot wide. And like literally, that how hard it is to do something like that? No, where I, mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah, seriously, it's like a foot wide, and they're throwing the pucks from maybe thirty or yards away or something. True. Like, and and he was like making, he made like four in a row, and it's like ridiculous how they can do that. And they're not like sitting there because they have to flick it up. They're doing saucer passes. They're not just sliding it on the ice like some Joe Schmo that comes out there in between periods trying to score a mid 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 uh, ice shot. Right, you know? right, for 100 bucks yeah. or whatever. So yeah. I do the NHL skills, and I'll do three-point contests because three-point contests are always nice to see uh, and see if someone can break a record or something. And then the dunk contest is obviously last for me. Yeah, and then where do you put the NBA skills Oh, I didn't even see that one on there. Okay, uh, the NBA skills competition, I, I think it's good, but it's so lame. Like the skills are like, okay, you, you got three cones out here. It's like a, like they're in PE. Right. Like it's like sitting there, it's like, okay, guys, we gotta do the, the serpentine through the cones, and like it's like, then okay, let's pass through the circle. Like, come on now, you're looking at like I'm with you. NHL skills one is so much more difficult because you're sitting there and you're doing the passing, and obviously they have the hardest shot, the fastest skater, stuff like that. That's always fun to see, and that's the thing is the, the NBA skills one. It's like it's so lame because like you'd have you know uh, Jason Terry out there half assing it, just going through the motions, and it's like. Okay, this is sweet. Sweet. I can't wait to watch Jason Terry th- throw through a circle. Yeah, it's tough because <laughs> they've tried different things. Because with the NBA, like the two most exciting plays are a three pointer and a dunk. Like those are the two most exciting things. So they've like they've tried. I remember the one year that they tried to put like horse, where they had a couple guys right. playing like horse before the game, and like it, it didn't work that well on TV because like guys were missing shots and it just took for- forever. And then. In the past, they had that thing where you had an NBA player, like a that. WNBA like player, one, and a legend. Yeah, where they were doing like half court shots and like free throws. It was like you got to make a free throw, a three pointer, and a half court shot. Yeah. And they did teams. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I'm with you. And they don't do that anymore. So I'm, I, I think I'm kind of on the same wavelength with you. I like the Derby the best. I think it's like, especially when you get a close Derby like what we've seen here, I think that's a lot of fun. I'm also three point contest second because I think. Three point contest is, or uh, you 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 put it third, but I'm going to put it second, okay. um, just because I think it can get super exciting too, especially with the shooters we have. Uh, I mean, for me, I don't hate the dunk contest. I mean, I, I totally get your criticism of the dunk contest. I agree with you that if they could get some more stars in there, I think it would be so much better. So I'm going to put it maybe third for me, and then I'll go, you know, NHL skills and NBA skills somewhere there towards the bottom because I just I, I I'm with you. I think it's so cool to see the guys. Uh, use their skills, a skill that like only a certain percentage of people on the planet can do these things right. that these guys are doing. Uh, maybe not on the NBA side. On the NHL side, yeah. NBA guys, yeah, we can all run around cones and make layups and shoot threes. <laughs> like That's not a, a hard thing to do. Um, 
You gotta pass it through that thing. I mean, it looks like a carnival. <laughs> That's game. what I'm saying. You it's know? like you have to pass it through a hula hoop. And it's embarrassing when the guys don't do it. It's like, come on, dude. You're an NBA player. Like you're you're like Chris Chris Paul's doing it and Chris Paul's missing like the the not getting the ball through the hole. It's like, come on, dude, you're Chris Paul. You gotta be able to do it. Um so yeah, NBA skills competition I think I'll put last there. Okay. Because I think it is I think it is lame. They, I think they can figure out a way to revamp that and improve it. Um if you guys have your own opinions and thoughts, feel free to tweet us at the DC crossover. We'll probably talk about it, uh, maybe take some calls on it on Tuesday. We'll see. Um, Last thing on the Nats I want to touch on, because we'll get into the San Diego series probably on Tuesday, because uh, we, we just there's so much to talk about in, for the other sports. Right. But MLB draft, just want to mention the Nats did have 20 picks in this year's draft. They finished with four outfielders, two first basemen, one second baseman, one shortstop, two catchers, six right-handed pitchers, and four left-handed pitchers. So they technically split the uh, 10 position players and 10 pitchers. Um, 14 players were from four-year colleges. They picked two junior college players and four players from the prep school um, ranks. The deadline to sign the draft picks is 5 p.m on Sunday, August 1st. And, uh, I mean, the biggest name as far as in the picks was um, the the initial pick, the Brady House pick. That was the one where, um, you know, uh, he's initially a third baseman. They're saying he's probably going to be able to transition to third base at some point. Uh, he, or, sorry, he was initially <laughs> shortstop, and they were going to talk about moving him to third like, base. Wow, it's a big he's transition. initially third baseman, and they're going to move him to third baseman. It's kind of a wild <laughs> thing. Now, he was a shortstop. They're going to probably move him eventually to third base. And uh, so that'll be interesting to see his development. Just just a bunch of new names for us to kind of get familiar with and see in the minors. The the biggest other thing was the fact that they picked Darren Baker, who's the son of uh, Dusty Baker, which was kind of an interesting thing as well. But uh, we'll you know maybe we'll have a draft ex- expert on at some point and talk a little NBA draft stuff. But uh, or NBA draft, geez, MLB draft. There's so many sports right. things we got to talk about. My mind's all over the place. Let's uh, move away from the baseball field and over to the hardwood. The Washington Wizards. So, Michael, the Washington Wizards, we have a new head coach. Scott Brooks' era, we know, is over. Um, He's now going to be, what, a top assistant in Portland, I think I said last show. Wes Unseld Jr. will be the head coach of the Washington Wizards for the next four years, supposedly, is a four-year deal. Uh, he'll be the seventh black head coach hired out of the eight openings this offseason. He has spent the last six seasons with the Nuggets. We've talked about him a little bit um, when we were talking about some of the possible candidates, the Sam Cassells and, and things like that. And I, I, we had both said kind of on the show that we thought that we had other candidates in mind that we thought would be possible candidates for the team that we were interested in seeing. But I feel like you and I both were agreeing that we wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if Wes Unsell Jr. was given the, the head coach job. And that's exactly what they did. After a long interview process, the Wizards were the last ones to hire a coach out of all the other teams that had vacancies. Um, and uh, they they got their man. I mean, they're, they're pretty happy with the pick. Everybody seems pretty thrilled. You'd figure that, you know, you don't want to be the last one to get – you know, a coach, and you don't want to be the first one because everyone says, okay, if you're the first one, you jump the gun, and there could be an opening, you know, in the next, you know, week that that some coach is available or, or says, yeah, I'm interested in returning or whatever. You don't want to be the last one either, in my opinion, because obviously you got West Unsell uh, Jr., and I think they maybe were knowing that this was going to happen, and maybe it's a marketing ploy or something like that for them to say, like, hey, we want to be the last guys to get a coach and now everyone's talking about our, our coach instead of, you know, whoever whoever else, uh, you know, had coaches, the, the Pelicans and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, you let, we definitely said that Wes Unsell Jr. was probably the leading candidate. Now, you said you wanted Sam Cassell. I said I wanted to make a splash and get Becky Hammond. But at the same time, you know, we, need, we just needed to move on from the Scott Brooks era. That was the biggest right. thing when we look at this whole entire situation is that we needed to move on. We needed to see who could actually make this team a little bit better. And with the players that we have right now, alongside of maybe free agency or whatever may happen uh, coming up, that there's some obviously some possibilities out there to pick up some more big men and different things of that nature. But when you have Russ Westbrook, you know, winding down in his career, he might only have maybe two or three years of that type of play left. Maybe maybe just two years. Who knows? Um, and then we have uh, Bradley Beal, who's one of the best players on the planet right now, finishing second to Steph Curry in the scoring competition uh, this whole entire past season. you got players to build around. And that's the biggest thing is now we have to have a different philosophy. 
Now we have to start fresh, wipe our hands of Scott Brooks, say thank you for your service, have fun in Oregon. But at the same time, you're looking at Wes Unsell Jr., and as you've mentioned multiple times before, you know a little bit more about him than I do, but at the same time, you've told us multiple times that he is a very good defensive coach. And that's the thing. You have on our outline right now, uh, which I'll let you get to, that they helped uh, Jokic, Murray, and all these different guys become the 11th best defensive team in the league, which is a huge deal. When you make a team go from whatever the Nuggets were at the, at the time to all of a sudden you come in, you implement a new defensive scheme and different things of that nature, and you become one of the basically top 11 teams, it's pretty damn good because the Wizards have been one of the bottom two teams the last, what, seven years or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It seemed like Scott Brooks just didn't really ever care about defense. It seemed always like he thought the philosophy was we're just going to outgun teams, and it sometimes worked. Yep. Um, and that's why the Wizards were able to be in contention in the playoffs and things like that um, because they were able to get wins because they outgun teams it was like 136 to 126, that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, but this was not a good defensive team, and I think – what what and, and my point about those guys, you know, Jokic and, and Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr. is right. those are guys that weren't traditionally looked at as good defensive players. Um, and Wes Unsell Jr. led the defense for the Nuggets, and uh, you know he's he put those players in the right positions to be successful. Where he's the type of guy that's going to look at somebody's strengths and their weaknesses, and they're going to put you in a good position. They're not going to make you do things that you aren't able to do. And I think that was the problem at times with Scott Brooks and with the Wizards is, you know, uh, guys like Robin Lopez would get lost on defense and guys like, you know, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook is not, just not that good of a defender anymore right. at, at his age. I mean, he used to be a, a lockdown defender back in the day. He's not really like that anymore. So they got to figure out some different defensive schemes to give him some help when he's going against these younger guards that are blowing by him um, or, or he's gambling and things like that. So uh, one of the quotes in the athletic piece about it was, uh, you know, West doesn't pretend to know the answers to everything. He's willing to listen to hear and he's going to explain why he might go with your idea and why he might not go with your idea. He has the answer to every question you have for in a game. So, for example, uh, pick and roll with Russ and Beal. How are we going to defend it? How are we going to cover it? He's going to have the best options and the best six options after that. So he's a, he was a, he's a really well-respected coach in the um, – in the game, he's looked at as a great defensive mind um, and somebody that listens to their assistants and takes input from players. And I, I, th- I think he is going to be successful in Washington. I'm, I'm positive. I didn't look at this hire as, oh no, right. like oh crap, this guy, another clown coming through. Well, DC. he's a wild card. Exactly. Or like, yeah, exactly. It wasn't a guy where it was like, all right, we're hiring this guy from college that we're not sure who's unproven and we're not sure if they're going to work out. I mean, this guy's been a coach for like 20 years. He's been in the systems. He was a Wizards scout coach back when they had Gilbert Arenas Mm -hmm. uh, back in the day. He was in the scouting department for the team, and he provided scouting reports and things like that. And and there there was a funny article about, you know, how back in the day, there was a scout uh, session where he had with the players and he was so nervous for it that he was like stuttering and players were kind of snickering and he just didn't have that confidence. That was 20 years ago. Now they're like, man, this guy today, you would never think that, I mean, that would never happen. He is, he knows everything. He's on his game. He knows about, like I said, five, six other options and things like that for different things. So he, I really hope that this is the guy that's going to take this team. Cause you're right. This is a, I mean, this is a team that I think, is kind of in that crossroads where they could either turn this team into like a Phoenix Suns type of uh, run or a Milwaukee Bucks type of run where you build around your superstars and you become a, a legit contender in the NBA, or this team can continue to be a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's two roads here. They have the 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 talent and, and some pieces to work with. The question is, what will Tommy Shepard and Wes Unsell Jr. do with those pieces? And that's what we're going to wonder as Wizards fans. But I at least have some positivity heading into next season, I feel like. Yeah, and also the sole fact that when you look at the free agency period to come up, now you can have somebody that's going to fit his scheme be brought in. And also it could right. be somebody from the West Coast that you might bring in as a free agent. Now, I'm not exactly sure, sure what kind of free agents are out there from the West Coast, but somebody that is well-respected, uh, you know, in the – or not, I shouldn't, shouldn't say that. I should say somebody that respects him from a player aspect because they know who he is and he's been out with the Nuggets for six seasons. So when you're looking at 
somebody from the West Coast who doesn't really play against the Wizards or, or I mean, he, they know the players. They know Russ. They know Beal and stuff like that. But somebody that's out there on the West Coast, I need to look at the free agency list again, that say, oh, well, you know, he has a really good defensive system, and I think that we could be really successful. So I think I'll sign a deal with the Wizards. Because that's one of the, the, the problems that we've had for years now is that we don't bring in free agents. I mean, there's just there's right. just no free agents that say, oh, man, the Wizards. I love the Wizards. Yeah. And that's the thing. Is I mean, it, Russ was a trade. Yeah. Beal was drafted. I mean, John Wall was drafted. Uh, I mean, it's – Don't worry. We got really Jan Mahimi. Jan Mahimi at yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, Jan Mahimi was a great free agent. Uh, <laughs> you're right, though. I mean, this isn't a destination for a lot of top-notch free agents to come to D.C. It's really not, and it hasn't been for a long time. And if we can just have the depth that has uh, that a lot of these teams have – if you have the depth that comes in there, now a lot of teams like the Sixers, for instance, they have a lot of depth that they've gotten through the draft and so on and so forth. But, you know, that was, quote unquote, the process. So when you're looking at now, okay, we have the pieces that, that can start in our lineup, but now we just need the depth to go along with that because our bench scoring was terrible. You know, our, our, we, we don't have that lockdown defender. And I think, uh, um, what was the guy's name? I think is it Chandler or something like that? Uh, what was the guy's name that came off the bench that was like our lockdown guy that they came in for? Anyways, it didn't matter because we sucked at defense anyways. Right, so right, right. overall, we just need some type of uh, different mantra out there for the guys from the West Coast to come in. I think that Wes Unsell Jr. coming in from the West Coast can actually help with those external uh, free agents that are going to be playing in the West Coast. Now they might want to come to the East Eastern Conference uh, and play with us because they know kind of more of his style. But I just think it's a good hire. I mean, I'm not, like you said, I'm not pissed about it. I'm not like, Oh man, this is going to be another great four years. Um, I just think that when it looks at when we look at free agents and we look at the uh, the, the rest of the uh, the process, I guess you could say it for us uh, to transition into a West Unsell Junior system. You know, I think that's going to be a huge deal for us to try to come in and start playing a lot better defense, and then not focus in on oh yeah, we have to score 135 tonight to beat this team. Yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope. So NBA draft will be later this month. Um, the thought is the Wizards are going to target a uh, wing defender in the draft and then go get some three-point shooting in free agency. That's kind of the idea. Um, so we'll see. We'll see now that they have their man uh, at the helm on the on the coaching side of things. Let's see how Wes Unsell Jr. and Tommy Shepard and Ted Leonsis and all those guys can kind of work together um, to build and make some really strong moves here this offseason. That's what our eyes are going to be on it. And so the draft, I believe, is like the 27th. I think it's coming up in a couple of weeks, so we'll keep an eye on that. We'll get into some pre-draft stuff here in the next few weeks, maybe even on Tuesday. Let's move on to the ice, a place we haven't been in a while. The Washington Capitals. We're talking caps. By the way, the Nationals just walk won in walk-off form. Ooh. Um, as we're recording, Alcides Escobar just knocked in uh, Tres Barrera, and the Nats just beat the Padres eight to seven. Who are, who so are they? That's <laughs> that's uh, yeah, yeah, two guys that uh, you just would not think of on the Washington Nationals. Got it done. Uh, but no, we're talking hockey here actually for the first time in a while since the Caps have been eliminated uh, because we're talking expansion draft, Mike, and the list is out. It came out this weekend of the protected li players list. We'll run through it real quick, and I want to get your thoughts because um, you know this area a little bit better than I do. On the on the protected list side, so on the forwards, you got, of course, Backstrom, Kuzi, TJ Oshie, uh, Tom Wilson, Anthony Mantha, Lars Eller, Daniel Sprong, and on the defensive side, John Carlson, Dmitry Orloff, and Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and then the goalie, uh, of course, Samsonov. Uh, all all those guys are the, on the protected list. Some notable names that are open for choosing, if you're the Kraken, is Nick Dowd, Carl Haglin, uh, Hathaway, Connor Sheary, Nick Jensen, Brennan Dillon, Michael Kempney, Justin Schultz, uh, Phoenix Copley, Vitek Vanacek are all names that are thought of as far as like the Kraken might go after one of those guys. Are there any names here on the protected list that surprised you uh, when you first saw it come out? Honestly, I don't think there are really any surprises on there. Now, I didn't really think of Daniel Sprong being there and saying, like, okay, we're going to go with Daniel Sprong as one of our protected guys. But the thing about it is is that the last about month or so, he just you know lit it up. Lit it up. I mean, remember when he subbed right. in for Ovi when Ovi got hurt for the first time in, like, 20 years? It, it, he came out there and scored like six goals in seven games. 
So when you know that somebody's out there, and I believe he was on the pens for a few years, and then now we have him. That's basically what the cast mantra is, is hey, let's, let's go get all the pens players and just bring him out here. Um, but I think he was on the pens for a while, and uh, he didn't really get too much playing time there. So he comes over here, he subs in for Ovi that one time, and basically took his opportunity and ran with it, uh, or skated with it, I should say. Uh, and then you look at him right now as being a protected player because they think that, hey, he's not going to take up a lot of salary cap space. Now I'm looking at it right now. He's literally only – only taking up 0 .9, 0 .9, 725,000 of the cap space right now, which is nothing. And that's the biggest thing is when we're talking about the guys that are available, obviously Brendan Dillon, Justin Schultz, Nick Jensen, those guys are making a lot more money. And they're trying to get younger, and they're also trying to get less caps or more cap space available for different types of players that you can pick up in free agency. Now you're looking at Trevor Rams, Van Reems type. He didn't play a lot. Okay, he didn't play a lot. We already know that, but he's only taken up at one percent of the cap, so it's like nothing. But you're looking at Schultz, Dylan, and Jensen. Now, I think Jensen can go. I mean, you you know who Jensen is, obviously, from yeah. being a Red Winger, and he's just eh, he's he's there sometimes doing well and sometimes not so not not so much. But you're looking at. Dylan and Schultz. Now, I would like to keep Schultz personally because I think he's a good veteran. I think he made a lot of impact this this postseason and during the regular season when we got him. But at the same time, you're looking at Brendan Dillon. He's done all right as well. He, I think he's actually coming to his own since since being traded from the Stars over here. But both of those two guys are getting paid $4 million each. It's a pretty Jeez. big cast brace when you look at someone like Demetri Orlov, who is a better player than both of those guys, only getting paid $5 million. So, I think the biggest thing when you look at it is uh, Brendan Dillon. I think if you're looking at somebody that might need to go, Brendan Dillon might be the one guy because he is signed through 2023-24, and he's getting $4 million each season. And Justin Schultz, who's 31, uh, he's, he's not old by any means, but he's only an unrestricted free agent after this season. So when you look at that, if he can come out there and say, okay, we're going to save Justin Schultz and then maybe re-sign him for maybe a little bit less money, maybe another you know half a million off that thing and maybe sign him for two or three more years, you know that'll be a good sign. But I don't know how, you know, because he's not going to get John Carlson money. Let's be honest here. He's not a first liner. But you're looking at it here, and he's not going to get $4 million, at least from the Caps, I don't think, uh, for next season. So maybe the Caps are saying, hey, we'll keep Dylan, and hopefully Schultz will go. And then we don't have to worry about him. But at the same time, you want to see, you know, it's a little chess match. Okay, which one are you going to take and pick your poison here and figure out which one is going to be beneficial for you uh, to, to, to let go? And Nick Jensen, I don't think they really care about Nick Jensen. Yeah, he's getting $2.5 million, but he hasn't really fit in too, too well. Um, but you're looking at all the other players. There's not really uh, any other one that stands out too much. I mean, Connor Sheary's a really good young player. He's 29 years old, only getting $1.5 million. He could be an easy, easy fill-in there for the third line, fourth line, something like that. But, uh, you know, that's the thing is there's not a ton of huge name, huge names out there and stars for the Kraken, unlike Vegas had. Uh, so when you're looking at the Kraken here, they might get a couple stars, but they're going to be looking to start getting some first-liners, second-line potential guys. Uh, but at the same time, you can't really get that with certain players that are out there. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that, you know, they put this list out here. I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks now. Uh, but overall, you know, the whole entire Alex Ovechkin thing, we can get into that real fast. Right, right. I was just going to bring that up. I mean, Ovechkin unrestricted free agent uh, on July 28th, um, and because he has yet to sign that contract extension, the Caps didn't need to use a protection slot on him. All signs are pointing, all reports are, that Alexander Ovechkin does not want to play anywhere else than Washington. Right. So the thought is that the, the Caps don't have to use their protection slot, but he's not going to sign anywhere except for D- D.C., yeah. so he's not going to get picked up by the Kraken or something yeah. like that. You know? And that's the biggest thing is that they have the option to go talk to free agent uh, – free a- I guess you say free agents. I was going to say free agent players, but that didn't really make any sense in my head. But, yes, free agency uh, – I'm messing it up right now. The free agent players, I'm going to say that. Uh, sure. They have an opportunity to go talk to them. Ovechkin, at 35 years old, he's not going to say, okay, let me go help you rebuild this franchise, and then when I'm gone, yeah. then you're going to be, oh, okay, have, have at it, you know. But he, he <laughs> wants to have another couple opportunities to get that cup, and that's the thing is you're looking at it and, and, and seeing it here and saying, okay, he's going to be here. And my cousin, actually, I'll give him credit. My cousin said this is going to be their plan. He said it like a month and a half ago. He was, right, he, I remember. Yeah, he I was remember. like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be their plan. You know, he's not going to resign anywhere else. So they they're just going to leave him and try to sign or try to uh, you know protect somebody else." Uh, so I just think that when you're looking at it here, Ovi will be back, and I think he's going to take a lot bigger pay cut because when you look at what he was making, he was making a lot of money. 
So at yeah. that point, now it doesn't have it listed right now uh, because the season's over. Uh, but at the same time, he was making a lot of money. I think he's going to get a lot less money. Now, Backstrom and, and Carlson, they make the most. Kuznetsov is making 7.8. Uh, but at the same time, you're looking at that and saying it's not a bad idea, though, because you're looking at it and saying he can get a lot less money bring more cap space, which is nice, because right now they have about $9 million in cap after getting the, the panic deal out there. Um, but at the same time, you're looking at it and saying, okay, this is not a bad idea because you can keep the core in here. Because everyone was saying, like, oh, let's get rid of Kuzi. Let's get rid of Oshi. Like, everyone, no one said get rid of Oshi. They said get rid of Kuzi. Um, but right. they were also saying, like, oh, Oshi's going to be available and stuff like that. But Which Kuzi you, could still happen, but you'd rather get some value from him in a trade market right. rather than – Leave him out for the Kraken. The, the, the yeah. only the only positive in that situation was to get rid of his, his seven point eight million dollars. That was the only sure. big positive in that because he still has a lot of talent. It's all about okay, is he going to actually you know show up? So that's the biggest and thing. Yeah, he just doesn't. There's there's a falling out there. So yeah, who knows? But yeah, I think you keep him and use him for trade bait. You use yeah. him for value there and then try to get get something back from rather than just let him go. Um, so Seattle has to select 14 forwards, 9 defensemen, 3 goalies, and must have at least 20 players who are under contract for the 2021-22 season. The combined salaries of the roster much, must reach between 60% to 100% of the league's annual salary cap, which right now is $81.5 million. So it's going to be fun. I mean, I remember when Vegas was in play and they were doing their expansion stuff. And, I mean, heck, they... They ended up going to a Stanley Cup Finals not too much longer after that. So, or the direct their first season, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, I don't think Seattle's going to necessarily do that. Right. But it's still anytime you have a new team in the mix, it's always kind of fun, you know. Uh, so it'll be something to watch. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and obviously, again, Alexander Vetchkin is going to be a Washington Capital, so I'm not I'm not worried about that either. Uh, but it's nice to finally get a little Caps talk on the show. So maybe we'll dive into the right. list a little bit more uh, on Tuesday. Uh, let's head into the forecast real quick. I mean, basically, there's not much to forecast. It's just the fact that the Nats are back in action here after the All-Star break. So they did win against this, the Padres game, so they, they did stop the losing streak, which was nice. And uh, as we, we talked about over text, the Mets have been struggling. Now the Mets did win today of course but they had been struggling with the pirates um so the nets didn't necessarily lose a ton of ground here despite the losing streak but this week should in theory be a winnable week you've got three games at home against miami and then starting on thursday you got three games against the orioles the orioles are one of the worst teams in baseball Miami's the worst team in the division if if there was a time for the nats to put together a strong week it would be this week that would be the time to do it mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that final lap time a chance to hit up 90 seconds of analysis on the biggest stories in sports. Here we go. Michael, only two players in men's golf history has won, have won the Open Championship and the PGA Championship before 20, turning 25. Tiger Woods, your boy, and Colin Morikawa. What a job by him. He, he, he is a monster. I mean, he's a young player, a bright and shining star, and he is a great iron player. So I'm happy to see him win because he's actually a really good guy too, which you don't see a lot because Bryson DeChambeau is, is, a, is a nut job. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> if you're a young – if you have a young golf fan in your household, have them idolize Colin Morikawa before they start idolizing Bryson DeChambeau. I don't want to get to that I mean, right now. That, that, this Morikawa A lot of, of viewpoints on Bryson. Right. I, I saw on Twitter the other day. Uh, I don't know if you... Uh, by the way, follow Mike on Twitter at Surround16. Um, a fan hit Alex Verdugo with a baseball the other day. A fan from the stands of Yankee Stadium hit Verdugo uh, with a baseball from the stands in New York City, man. I mean, it, New York is just is just nuts, too. I mean, who throws a baseball at a player? I mean... Ban him for life. Yeah. Ban him for life. I saw the video, too, where the guy, like, he does it, and then he goes up in the stands and kind of just sits there like nothing happened. <laughs> And then they're like looking for the guy, and then somebody's like, "It was, it was that guy. It was right there." And then like the cop comes up to him and like takes him away. It was like, "What are you doing?" Uh, Milwaukee Bucks, after falling 0-2 down in the series, they've won three straight. They have a three-two lead in the NBA Finals. Pretty impressive by Giannis Antetokounmpo. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how I pronounce it. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, though. The Bucks. I thought the Suns were going to take this one in like five or something like that after they won the first two games. Very impressive by Milwaukee. Yeah. And then last but not least, LeBron James, the new Space Jam movie, Mike. Are you going to be watching no, it? No, negative. No? I might, I might ju- uh, I just think... out of spite, I might go back and watch the MJ one. Right. I'll probably go back and watch. I I watched the, actually during the pandemic, I watched the the old Space Jam. We did a Netflix watch party or whatever. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, there's some parts that hold up. There's some parts that don't. 
But I'll give it a shot. I have a, I have a kid, so I might as well throw it on kid. for her. I don't think she's too young to even care about it, but uh, we'll see. So that was the LeBron James Space Jam movie. It did pretty well, apparently, uh, according to, apparently. you know. The whatever those lists come what from. What if those people are? You got, you got some trivia question for yes, me, Mike? Yes, sir. You know I always do. All right. All right. Here we, we got to get a sponsor for this segment. We got to be like Mike's DC Trivia, sponsored by. I wonder who we you can know, get, like, get to sponsor that. I don't know. We got to get a beer company or somebody to sponsor. Because beer, beer, breweries always have trivia nights and stuff like that. You what about a, we can get a local brewery? That's what I'm saying. That would, that's what I'm saying. That what you said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said, actually. We'll, we'll, we'll work on that. I was thinking. Right, what's I wasn't the trivia? Listening. All right, here we go. I got it right last time. You did. Uh, yeah, you did. You did. It was Ricky Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Drafted by the Bullets with the fourth pick in the 95 NBA draft, what volatile big man retired in 2013 with 317 technical fouls, the most in NBA history? Volatile big man. Um... All right, so I get one question. Yeah. So he was drafted by the Bullets in what year? 95. 95? Did, did you say how long he played? 12 he re- years? He retired in, thir- in, in 13, so he played for eight, 18 okay. years. Jeez. Okay, long. <laughs> it's not Udonis Haslam. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, all right, one question. I'll, I'll ask... Am I allowed to ask what team he were, he he finished with? The final team he played on? Uh, I'm trying to. Th- or do you not know? Well, <laughs> I I think I do know, but I can tell you which team he played for the most. Okay. I yeah. Think that, I think that, that might be a better thing. The Pistons. Oh, so it's Rasheed Wallace. <laughs> oh, okay. That's who I thought. That's who I Damn. thought it was going to be. But I didn't know he was. I didn't know he was drafted by the Bulls because you think of Rasheed Wallace because he played in Portland yeah. for all those years before he went to the Pistons. Did he play for the Pistons um, the most? I, had, I've, uh, I don't know if he played with the Pistons. Maybe the yeah. most. Damn. I think he played the most in Portland. I gave it away then. That's all right. But that's. I mean, no, no. I had Rasheed Wallace on the mind. Yeah. So no, you didn't. I don't think that you. You didn't like give me the answer there. I had Rasheed Wallace on the mind. I didn't know he was drafted by the Bullets. I thought for some reason he was drafted by the Blazers because they know he played there first. Because um, he was part of the. They used to call it the Jail Blazers back in the day because him and Zach Randolph and all these guys kept getting in trouble right. and like uh, it was it was a bad scene for for a time there. But um, all right, shout out to Rasheed Wallace. That guy. Yeah, he would get texts like three hundred and seventeen technicals. Game. Oh yeah, the refs hated him. He hated the refs. It was a wild time. How do you have that many uh, technicals? That's a lot. That's a lot of technicals. It's it's insane. It's insane. The money line here. Mike had a one in one week. Solid week for you. I had an own two week. Not a good week for me. Um, so I dropped down to thirteen seventeen. Of course, I picked the game where the Nats get scored twenty five runs against. Or whatever. Right, right, right. Uh, so, but you're still over five hundred, sixteen and fourteen. So still not bad for you. Um, I'm I'm three games back now uh, from you in the pick. So. Uh, we got some interesting ones here this week. So game six of the finals, I have the Bucks closing out the series. You have the Suns yes. winning game six. So that will be fun um, to watch. You and I now have a little skin in the game there on, on uh, Tuesday, I believe, is that game. I did see something cool that the uh, Milwaukee Brewers adjusted the game time of their game, which was initially an evening game. They now moved it up to 3 o'clock so the fans can be home in time to go watch the Bucks in the NBA Finals. DC's done that a few cool times, thing. too. Yeah, I like that. I like that when the teams kind of have that interaction. I mean, back when the Caps and the Nats were both like making their World Series runs and Stanley Cup runs, it was so cool to see the teams interact and like go to each other's games right. and stuff. That was that was awesome. Uh, my upset pick. So the Orioles and the Nats series series starts on Friday. I, the pitching matchups haven't been announced or anything like that, but I'm just saying it right off the bat. Orioles over the Nats on Friday. I say game one, Orioles, because the Nats have the day off on Thursday. I'm going to say they go into Friday. They get punked in the first game of the series. Now, I assume the Nats are going to win Saturday and Sunday and things like that. But I think that first night, it's probably going to be like Eric Fetty on the mound. He's going to give up seven runs to a terrible Orioles team. Orioles over Nats on Friday. That's my upset (laughs) pick. That's the funny thing is I texted you about this, too. Now, I'm not exactly sure if the final uh, score was the same thing as we looked at. Now, did the Pirates beat the Mets today? No, no, no. The Mets ended up coming wow, back. Wow, in the ninth. Today. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. But I mean, literally, crazy series there too. I mean, that that, that series. I mean, this the game today was insane because the Pirates scored six runs in like 
the first inning because of the error on uh, Taiwan Walker where he thought the ball was foul, so he flung the ball away, <laughs> and it was fair. It was on the line, and three runners come around and score on, on that one play. Luis Rojas gets tossed because he starts arguing with the ump. They scored six in the first. The Mets were able to come back and score two in the top of the ninth, and they won 7-6. to six. Unreal. But they, I mean, that's still pathetic, though, when you have seven games against the Pirates yeah. and you win, what, three of them? I mean, I mean the Mets are 5-5 five and five in their last ten, and they just played the Pirates. Like you said, like that that can't happen. The Philly right now is two games back. They've won seven of their last ten. And then Atlanta's four games back. The Nats are currently six games back, um, three and seven in their last ten. And then the Marlins aren't out of it. They're nine and a half back. The division is still up for grabs. But um, what do you got on your upset side? So my upset, I was looking through the sports uh, that this world has to offer, and not a lot to, uh, to go off of. WNBA is in their all-star their, their month break or whatever the heck that yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, NBA, you know, we already have that as our lock. So I went to the MLS. So I went through the games, oh. and obviously I have no idea about anything about the MLS. Right, 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 a little right. bit about DC United, but that's it. Uh, so I looked through it, and I went on to a game on Thursday. The Orlando City FC, the football club, over the Philadelphia Union. I think the game is in Philly. Uh, Orlando and uh, Philly are really neck and neck in the standings, but it is an upset because Orlando is like one or two spots down below uh, Philly. And also Orlando FC hasn't won in their last five to five uh, or five head to head matches against the Philadelphia Union. So I think they've drew four of them and they lost one of them or, or they lost two or something like that. But Orlando City FC has Nani, one of the best Portugal players in the last decade. So, Hopefully, Nani can go out there and uh, and do some work against the Union. Well, I'm hoping he non. I hope I hope he scores Nani goals. <laughs> None, no, no goals. What language that's, is that's that? The, <laughs> that's the idea. Uh, yeah, shout out to of course DC United, um, the soccer team here, who, who I believe had a game like the other day. I remember I was actually like getting because I get score updates for them, even though I don't really watch their games much, but. Because uh, I, I never know where to find it, too, a lot of the time. It's always, like, impossible to right. watch. I've complained about it on the show, I feel like. I'm yeah, sure, they yeah, yeah. lost. They lost to Philadelphia yesterday, 2-1. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Union, I think, are, like, second, second in the in the, the standings, something like that. So DC United's 5-7-1. and one. They're ninth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, All right. So, yeah. Uh, Philly's second, like you said, 6-3-5. and five. Uh, But that's crazy. So, like, 6-3-5, and 5-7-1. Five, five, they have one more win. And they're in second, and the, and DC United's already it's, it's down. It's the enough, draw so. points. It's the draw points. It's those draw points, as as Mike always <laughs> says. That's always that's always his saying. Um, yep. So we want to remind you, folks, on Tuesday night, you're not doing anything. It's a week night. There's not much going on. Go ahead and flip on. Go put the Nats game on the TV. Mute it. And then flip on the contender.com. That's contender with a K, either on your phone or on your computer, tablet, whatever. And you listen to your boys. Mike and I do a two-hour show, um, and we'll have calls. So feel free to call in. And all those times you've, wanted, you've listened to us in the past and you've wanted to just call us out for dumb stuff that we said, we're going to give you an opportunity to do so because we'll give out the phone lines and all that good stuff. And we may have a, a guest come on and talk some sports, too. We don't really know that yet. We're still figuring out those details, so I'm not going to promote it yet. Um, but check that out as well. Uh, as always, listen to us on The Contender and uh, look forward to some. We still have some big projects in the works. We just haven't been able to announce them yet. Yeah. Things are moving slow. These people got to get back to us, man. They got to move some stuff around a little bit because um, we did. Uh, we do have a possible sponsorship situation going on soon, but we can't really talk about it yet because we haven't heard from anybody. <laughs> so uh, who knows? Who knows how any of this stuff works? Uh, besides that, Mike, um, you know, it's a big, big week for, for the Nats here. Crunch time. We'll be watching those games. A big week for your MLB The Show team as they enter yep. the playoffs. Yep. I'll be excited for that. I want updates. But you should do a Twitch thing, man. you got to start doing some Twitch. Man, I, sh- I should do it. But the problem is, is that I don't really have a good spot to do it. Yeah, that's true. You need to have, like, because the guys that you normally do it have, like, they use, like, a PC or whatever. Right. And they, like, they play on that. you got to, like, maybe, like, Get a monitor for your desk and plug in your Xbox there and try to do it that way. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to help you it with this. Might, but it might be a might be a, 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 a 
a few years from down the road when I get a house and stuff like that type thing. True. Yeah. True. So then I could, that will be the same. I'm 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 in the same boat, man. Once we get well, then we, once we build our studio, well, we've been out, talking be, about that for a while now that we want an actual studio studio, and we're like, all right, well, once yeah, we have money, <laughs> it'll be great. It'll be great. Follow us on social media at the DC crossover for myself and the show, and then follow Mike at Cerrone sixteen. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show as always. We appreciate the support there, uh, especially now more than ever because we now have a partnership with Anchor. Um, so please continue to listen to the show on Anchor and uh, and support all of the, the sponsors and all that good stuff. Uh, for Mike Cerrone, I'm Ben Simpson. We'll see you on Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time on thecontender.com. And we'll also see you next weekend for the regular show. We'll see you next time, guys. This has been another episode of DC Crossover.